you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team, every day. This is a daily podcast covering the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio Chavez Reem Fiends. Today I am joined by Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, we are back together. How is it going? Uh, I am doing well. Are you recording from a different location, Vince? No, same location. Oh, you usually have that that home sign behind you. Just on a different oh, couch or something? Oh, I guess different. Yeah, different couch, I guess. Okay. I'm in a different location. I'm down in St. George, Utah. My son has a baseball tournament starting on Friday, Friday and Saturday. So uh, I drove down today. And uh, so, yeah, I'm recording from a rented condo. Nice. Yeah, and today we have uh, not too much news to talk about. We'll talk about the Dodgers uh, game against the Cubs, which they lost 7-0. Uh, but, you know, we're not really worried about that. We're going to answer some questions from you all so that's all we got on tap but before that a quick reminder to subscribe to locked on dodgers wherever you get your podcasts and when you get in your car or if you're at home tell your smart device to play podcasts locked on dodgers all right jeff so we saw jimmy nelson josiah gray victor gonzalez ryan pepio blake trinan a few others on the mound got a a few regulars in the lineup, but uh, anything stand out to you? Anything you, you want to talk about? Um, I mean, it seems like Ryan Pepio was the thing that stood out the most. Uh, his stuff looked looked pretty awesome. Uh, that was fun to see. I, I liked it. The very first pitch he threw was just high cheese and just blew it past the guy. It just kind of uh, – it felt like he was announcing his presence and then that change up to strike that dude out, you know, got the swings and misses on the two – the two high fastballs and then a wicked changeup. So uh, that got me excited. Josiah Gray looked really good. Uh, obviously, the results weren't necessarily uh, all good, but his his stuff looked good and his confidence looked good. Um, you know, Edwin Oceda didn't excite me as much. Uh, uh, Victor Gonzalez looked good. And, and Jimmy Nelson, uh, he said he felt really good, which uh, I think he said it was the best he's felt since 2017. And uh, he, he looked good. You know, he, he got let down by the defense a little bit, a little bit of bad luck. But but overall, it was a really good first appearance for Jimmy Nelson, I thought. The fact that he didn't break down right there on the mound or after is a good sign. I believe I read somewhere he was in the 94-mile-an-hour range, 94-plus. So that's a good sign. The fact that he, he said he's feeling better is, is a good sign and uh, just adds to that Dodgers depth that now they have eight starting pitchers that could be pretty good. So uh, that's, a, that's a good sign. Uh, like I said, on, on Josiah Gray, uh, had a had, – just had that long at bat with that one guy that hit the home run, but for the most part, his stuff looked pretty good. I got a strikeout on a high fastball, got a strikeout on a, a three-two slider, which is pretty nice to see, especially in spring. So, you know, good good stuff all around. Except for yeah, you said I had a had a rough time a, a, a go about it, but uh, he he doesn't seem to fact. He probably won't factor into the Dodgers too much this year. And uh, offensively, the Dodgers didn't do much. McKinstry had another hit. Uh, Sheldon Newsy had a hit. Both were little bloopers though, so nothing too exciting. 
exciting on the offensive front. Just the fact that we get to see Dodger baseball is always exciting. Yeah, and uh, and Noisy did make an error on defense. Uh, he's got a good arm and maybe a little too good. If it doesn't aim right, it goes all the way into the stands. Uh, it reminded me of some Mariano Duncan from when I was a kid. Uh, but uh, offensively, yeah, it, it was obviously – Nothing great. Mookie Betts kind of stood out. We remember last year, his first year with the Dodgers, and he said it usually takes him about 50, 50 plate appearances in spring training to to really get in the groove. And uh, you, you can kind of see that with him, that he's not in the groove. But uh, what we saw last year was that Mookie definitely uh, gets going when it counts, and so obviously not worried about that. And and as we've said before, and we'll say again, spring training results are meaningless. So uh, overall, it's just fun to watch baseball. Yeah, exactly, and I don't think we addressed it on here, but uh, Mookie Betts called his 2020 season serviceable. Uh, would you agree with that sentiment? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was it was definitely at least serviceable. Yeah, um, I, I like modesty in a guy, you know, especially a guy like Mookie, who you obviously uh, there's no lack of confidence when he's on the field, and so uh, I, whether it's fake modesty or real modesty. Uh, you know, I like that Mookie seems to think that he can be better than he was last year because a version of Mookie that's better than last year uh, would be really, really, really good. The fact that he didn't hit any left-handers last year is probably where some of that came from, where he said he was just serviceable. I mean, even in the postseason, he wasn't tearing the cover off the ball, but he pretty much scored any time he was on base. So that's a credit to him as well, as well as the guys behind him. So, uh, But yeah, Mookie, the Mookie modesty I'll always take. Uh, let's get into the questions. We got one. I'm going to flip it a little just because uh, Keith Simon at Simon says, underscore 145 says, how many votes will Josiah Gray win the Cy Young by this year? Uh, well, that's a, maybe a little bit of a stretch. Uh, you never know. Crazier things have happened. Uh, but it got me thinking about a question of how many Dodgers will receive Cy Young votes this year? Yeah, I, I'm guessing Josiah Gray won't, uh, unfortunately. But, uh, but yeah, I expect, you know, Bueller and Bauer and Kershaw. It, uh, the Cy Young ballot is a little bit uh, interesting because they only get to put – is it, it's either three or five names on it's not as big a ballot as MVP. And so it's harder to get Cy Young votes. And um, so, yeah, I'd probably be surprised if I guess I wouldn't be shocked if four Dodger pitchers got Cy Young votes, but I would guess more like two or three. Yeah. Three seems like a, a bet for the highest amount it could go. I mean, I'm, and everyone goes lights out. I guess maybe someone might get a down vote, but either way, I think Bauer, Bueller, Kershaw is a good is a good place to kind of rest the laurels on there. You could see a, a reliever maybe sneaking in a vote if somebody has a a lights out year out of the bullpen. Uh, sometimes those guys will get down down ballot votes. All right, uh, we're gonna answer some more questions from you listeners, so make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. There's a big weekend in the NBA with the All-Star weekend. There's All-Star events. You can bet on all that type of stuff. And a good weekend to get started if you're trying to get into betting. Uh, there's just some fun things always happening. Bet online has updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. Their site is really intuitive. They have a new site. Uh, that that really updates you and gives you stats right there when you're about to bet, and it's pretty cool. So if you want to check it out, go to betonline.ag. If you want to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, you can use the promo code Locked On. You go to betonline.ag, promo code Locked On, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Big Ben is back in yellow and black. Is that a good thing for the Steelers? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jeff, we're back and going to answer some more questions. Uh, I know I asked the last one, but I'll ask one more and we can go out back and forth after that. Uh, this one is from Austin at Austin on standby. Two-part question. He says, what are your earliest memories of the Dodgers? And two, how has being a Dodgers slash baseball fan affected your personal development? Yeah, that's a, the, the first one for me is pretty easy. Uh, my earliest memories, it's kind of funny. I started collecting baseball cards in 1984, and I remember that, but I don't actually remember watching a ton of baseball yet at that point. I'm sure I did, but I don't really remember it. For some reason, the baseball cards stick out more in my mind. My first vivid baseball memories are Tom Needenfewer giving up home runs in the 1985 NLCS to Jack Clark and Ozzie Smith. Uh, the Jack Clark one, especially, uh, even, even though now the Ozzie Smith one sits sits with me worse because it was the first home run Ozzie Smith had ever hit left-handed. Uh, so that was that's frustrating. But the Jack Clark one, I remember uh, that home run that he had off Tom Needham Fewer. And so uh, my earliest Dodger memories are heartbreak and sadness. As for the second part of the question, uh, how do- being a Dodger fan and a baseball fan has affected my personal development. You know, personal development, I don't really know exactly what that means, but you know, I- I've said before that uh, baseball, I consider baseball the most important, unimportant thing in my life. And so uh, for me, it- it's cheesy, but the thing that I love about baseball is the connection to family. Um, all-, all of my favorite baseball memories are tied to family. You know, I- Kirk Gibson's home run, I remember my mom saying, he did it, he did it, he did it. And, uh, and me and my brother, uh, when the Dodgers won the World Series in 1908, me and my brother doing the dance of joy from Perfect Strangers uh, that Balky and Larry used to do. Yeah, for those of you who are Vince's age, Perfect Strangers was a, a television show back when you used to actually have to know what time shows were on and turn on the TV. Um, and, and, you know, so that's my, I, I remember watching the games in 88 with my family um, and even more recent memories you know, being at opening day in 2013 with Kershaw at the home run and being there with my brother and my uncle uh, and being at game three of the 2018 World Series, uh, Muncie's you know, 18th inning walk-off home run. And I was there with my dad and my two sons and my uncle. And so, you know, all of these things going to spring training with my family, that's what I love about baseball and the Dodgers is that uh, it gives me excuses to hang out with my family and to do something that we love together. And, and so for that, that's why it's as important it is to me. The earliest memories I have are going to the games. I remember there was a string of maybe five or six years where we went to every opening day game. Uh, I always remembered because I got to miss school that day and uh, people would ask me, oh, what'd you do? Oh, I went to opening day. Uh, so that that's up there. You know, Piazza, Carroll, all those Ricky of the Year, Mondesi, all those guys are, are the first kind of players I really remember. Uh, you know, I always talk about Gagne and Game Over, which was when I was a little bit older, but probably when I started having more vivid memories of actual games and events and stuff like that. So uh, that's what I have for the memories. As for the second part, I took personal development, kind of like any skills you learn because of baseball or because of whatever. And, you know, growing up playing baseball or any sport in general, if you're if you play a, a team sport, 
and you learn a lot of things you learn or even in baseball you learn how to fail and deal with it uh or or you learn how to at least accept it or or to a certain extent uh, you never really want to learn how to deal with it i suppose uh but you know you learn how to be a teammate you know learn how to there's a lot of stuff you can learn from sports and then as i got older and started getting into coaching a little bit you, you kind of learn how to manage a team even though it's a little bit different but it kind of helps you out in a, in a personal standpoint or it's something that you can always bring up in or in on a resume or in an interview that uh, you can say you have experience managing people, even though those people might have been 12 year old kids. But, hey, uh, it still works. So, yeah, personally for that, and I mean, the sport, the, the family part's always part of it. It, it keeps everybody kind of together and, and rolling. And, and as we saw when the Dodgers won the World Series and, and we saw those videos of everybody celebrating with their families, even though it was a, a weird time and you probably would have been in a different place, uh, it kind of forced you to maybe stay with some of your closer family. And that, that was a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, next question comes from Anthony Davis. Uh, probably not that Anthony Davis, uh, at Anthony Davis, Inc. He says, who do you think is most likely to fill the Kike and Jock roles based on the small sample we've seen so far in spring training? Yeah, we've talked about a lot of these guys before. Zach McKinstry just automatically gets kind of put into that role just because of his versatility and then Sheldon Newsy as well the guys that can play the guys that can play or have played shortstop in the past are gonna have a leg up just for the fact that Kike was kind of the backup shortstop now maybe Taylor or Lux kind of move into that role but then you still always want to have a, another kind of shortstop on your on your roster so one of those two guys especially if McKinsey keeps hitting the way he's hitting in the spring then you know he might force his way on the roster in terms of jock role I talked about this a little bit last week or a couple weeks ago you know, if, if A.J. Pollock struggles and they need somebody to maybe face against right-handed pitching more often, Matt Beatty is a good, a good guy to there. We've seen him hit in 2019. He plays passable defense out there in left field and, and only get better the more he plays out there. So uh, those those guys are you know easy names to kind of name, but those are kind of the ones that, that fill, would fill a role. Yeah, McKinstry. I really like McKinstry's attitude coming into spring, you know, as a guy who – he made his debut last year, got a little bit of playing time, but wasn't, you know, he, he's still a prospect and, and a rookie, but he came into spring training saying, hey, there's a role available and I can fill that role and that's his goal. And so I like that confidence he's showing and I like the way he's swinging the bat. So McKinstry seems uh, like a pretty obvious fit for me for that Kike role. The Jock role is kind of interesting because really Jock's role was, hey, let's find ways to get this guy some bats against righties because he mashes them. And, uh, you know, so they don't necessarily, it's not like there's a a gap in the lineup left by Jock's departure. It's just, you know, uh, it, it opens up a spot for some guys, but, you know, Jock didn't have any defensive flexibility. Uh, they tried to turn him into a first baseman, and that went really, really well. You know, um, they, so Jock's role... Jock, Jock's role wasn't really a role as far as I can tell. It just means his departure means more at-bats for guys like Beatty and Rios and and whoever else, Noisy or whoever. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so I guess that's a, a non-answer to that question, but but it's as good as I can do. Yeah, he, I mean, 2020 he didn't really have a role. 2019 he had more of a role, but that was more out of Pollock being injured. So Yeah. All right, uh, this question right up your alley. Tom at Gallon Don't says, if Gavin Luck breaks out this year, do you think it will have an impact on the Dodgers' decision to re-sign Corey since the front office knows it will have Gavin to replace him? 
Well, first of all, there's a typo, Tom. You meant when Gavin Lux breaks out this year, not if. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact on whether they re-sign Corey. Uh, I do expect Gavin Lux to have a great season um, at second base. And even if they do see Lux as the shortstop of the future, that doesn't mean you don't sign Seager because everybody has been saying for years Seager probably eventually ends up at third base just because of his size and everything. And guys do slow down as they get older, and he wasn't super quick to start with. And so uh, I, I think they can re-sign Corey Seager regardless of of whether Gavin Lux is going to be the shortstop of the future or not. And uh, so, yeah, I, I guess my short answer is no, I don't think it actually impacts the decision much at all. I'd agree there. I did see something that I hadn't seen. I mean, it was more speculation than anything. Uh, Bill Plunkett was on somewhere the other day and said that he's not sure if Corey Seager wants to commit to a West Coast team, which is not anything I've ever heard before. And then brother obviously committed to the Mariners. But you know, Seager kind of shut down anything or in his interview the other day of, of anything about the extensions. Andrew Friedman was asked about it in the podcast with John Heyman and Tony Gwynn, and he kind of gave a non-answer as well. He he kind of alluded to the fact of, of who his agent is and extension talks doesn't really happen too much. So we're not really sure it's going to happen with Corey Seager, but I think, you know, Gavin Lux breaking now obviously would give the Dodgers a little bit better insurance in case Seager doesn't stay. Yeah. And maybe gives them leverage in those negotiations. Maybe. All right. We're going to take some more questions from you. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues, Locked On Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, daily fantasy, anything you need, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get podcasts. All right, Jeff, I'll let you take the next question of asking. All right. Uh, next one comes from Carlos DeCastro at Carlos, DeCastro, Carlos A. DeCastro. Uh, he says, what happens if David Price struggles? How long does he stay in the rotation knowing the guys they have behind him? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's uh, kind of going to depend on how the team is doing. Uh, that We've seen the Dodgers give some leeway to some veteran guys or some guys that they trust. Uh, if the team is doing well, we saw Chris Taylor a couple years ago, Jock Peterson a couple or a couple years ago as well. Uh, we've seen other guys kind of get leeway. We expect Gavin Lux to get a long leash this year, uh, even with you know whatever happened last year. So uh, with Price, it's interesting because obviously they have guys that can kind of come in and, and fill a role right away. But it, I guess it depends what kind of struggles. If he's struggling with velocity then it might be more of a injury type thing where they can maybe get him some rest and try to bring him back if he's struggling just in general i think they they might leave him in and kind of be like hey you're only going to be a two-time through the lineup guy that's all we need you to give us so maybe adjust your game a little bit i think he's gonna have a little bit of a leash but dave roberts did say today or yesterday they're bringing price along pretty slowly he's yet he's gonna throw a bullpen this week they don't know when he's gonna get into a game yet so i think David Price is going to get handled pretty carefully to where some of these young guys are going to get those starts early in the season and kind of let Price find his way. Yeah, I, I I think my main answer is going to be the same as your main answer, which is it depends on how the team's doing. But also, uh, like you said, he's only thrown, you know, however many innings in the last three years. He's, he's had a very decreased workload and hasn't thrown anything in the last year and a half. 
And so even if he struggles, it, rather than it being a, they pull him out of the rotation, I think they have plenty of of plausible deniability to just say, all right, we're going to, we're going to give price. We're going to skip him a start just to, to manage his workload. You know, is that what they, the NBA buzzword manage workload? Yeah. What is it? Uh, yeah. Something Managing like that, something yeah. anyway. And, and load or load, load management. Manage. Yeah. And so I think they'll do some load management with David price this year. Just, you know, e- even if he's pitching well, I think we're going to see some of that load management. I, I don't expect him to make more than 20, 22 starts probably just because it's been his workload has been so low the last few years and they do want him to be at his best in October. And so uh, I think we're going to see load management either way. And uh, it, some of it might coincide with some struggles and maybe if the, maybe they'll do it a little bit sooner than they were planning if he is struggling. But, uh, but yeah, I think it'll be mostly due to workload. All right. I'm going to let you answer this one mostly. I talked about DJ Peters, I think, this week. So, at, uh, Alan at Phone Guy 92399 says, With Peters taking reps at first base, which we learned the other day, do you think he has a shot at making the 26 man roster? Well, first of all, I guess I'll say I don't think him taking it reps at first actually affects his chances of making the roster very much at all because the Dodgers already have Max Muncie and Matt Beatty and Edwin Rios. Uh, at least those three who can play first base. So it's hard to see them having a situation. Um, I, all three of those guys hit left-handed, sure. But uh, so, but Muncie doesn't struggle against lefties. Muncie hits lefties just fine. So uh, even if – it's hard for me to see the fact that DJ Peters can maybe play first base being any sort of uh, determining factor in him making the roster. I think, uh, you know – I think DJ Peter's best chance to be on the roster this year is somebody specific getting hurt. And that somebody specific is AJ Pollock. Um, I, I think DJ Peters would be a logical replacement. If AJ Pollock went down with an injury to play left field, especially, you know, if it's a two week thing, maybe they just get by with Chris Taylor. Um, but if it is, if Pollock's going to be out for a month or something, I could see them calling up DJ Peters and letting him be the right-handed half of a left-handed platoon in left field, uh, but uh, along with Beatty or whoever. Uh, but other than that, you know, DJ Peters still, you know, I, I've been impressed with him. I like him. Uh, I've talked about that too. But the fact is he he strikes me as a starting outfielder on a bad team or a fourth outfielder on a mid-tier team. And it's hard for me to see – too much of a role for him on a team that plans on winning the World Series, unfortunately. I do think that taking reps at first maybe doesn't give him a better chance for opening day roster, but I do think may open the chance. I, I, you know, the, the big thing that you mentioned is the left-handed guys. Right? Rios and Beatty both left-handed. I think Rios has more of a sure spot right now because he's going to get time at third base. Beatty, you know, we all assume he's going to have kind of a for sure spot, but I, I could see the Dodgers maybe getting Peters out there if he gets those reps at first just to have him uh, able to play there later in the game if they need him or if they move other guys around. He does bring more value defensively, but I, I still don't think it's enough to get him on the opening day roster, but I think the more versatility you have, especially when you're around the Dodgers, is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, our last question comes from David at BleedBlue951. Uh, which is better, the starting rotation or the starting lineup? Obviously, great depth on both sides, he says. This is a good question. And 
I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the starting lineup just because they have a lot of guys that have been pretty good and we saw what they did last year and even if not everyone is rolling they can still be pretty damaging a pretty damaging lineup rotation is really good but you can pick out a little bit more flaws in a lot of guys whereas Mookie Betts you kind of know what you're going to get even if he struggles his down years are still better than a lot of people's really good years Cody Bellinger same thing even if he struggles his down years are are still better than a lot of guys good years I I think there's more there's a little bit less uh, fluctuation in the starting lineup than in the rotation, but I could easily be convinced the other way. Yeah, I, I saw this question earlier today, and I think I've gone back and forth five or six times um, because, yeah, I mean, that they, they could easily – this is going to sound like a homer statement, and obviously I am a little bit of a Dodgers homer, but they could have the best lineup and the best rotation in baseball this year and, and without – it's you don't have to squint very hard to see that possibility. Yeah, they had the, you know, one of the best offenses in baseball last year, and they had a great rotation, top couple rotations, and they've improved both of those things in, in this offseason. Uh, you know, the the lineup, they're improving it by hopefully having bounce-back seasons from Bellinger and Muncy and a good full season from Lux. And obviously they added, added uh, Trevor Bauer to the rotation. So I could see them having the best in baseball at both. And uh, I think... I guess I'll go with the pitching, the rotation, just to be different than you because, you know, variety is the spice of life. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think by the time I finish the sentence, I may have changed my mind and want to go back to the lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing with the Dodgers. You can flip a coin, and there's really no wrong answer in this question. But speaking of being different, we did have a difference of opinions, and we'll close out with this. Jeff, chunky peanut butter, creamy peanut butter, you're on creamy side. Uh, I just I don't know the benefits of Kimmy peanut butter, so I would like to hear them. Okay, here here's the thing, Vince. Uh, peanut butter is it's generally part of a treat, whether it's in you know even a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like people try to eat a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and pretend it's lunch. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich is dessert. You know, like that is a a nice sweet treat. And so, and my opinion on desserts, and I understand a peanut butter and jelly sandwich isn't actually dessert, but it's, it's a sweet treat. Okay. And if I eat something sweet and when I'm done, I have food stuck in my teeth. I want what's stuck in my teeth to be something sweet. And when you eat crunchy peanut butter, what you end up with is peanuts stuck in your teeth and peanuts are not dessert. They are not a sweet treat. Peanuts are just peanuts and so for me you know whether it's i don't like nuts in my ice cream 
Uh, I don't like nuts and brownies for all those same reasons. I don't, I don't even really like, like I'll have a Snickers bar once in a while, but I much prefer a Butterfinger because when you end up with stuff stuck in your teeth after Butterfinger, you know what's stuck in your teeth? Butterfinger, which means you can eat one Butterfinger for four hours and love it. But if you eat something with peanuts, you end up with peanuts stuck in your teeth. And that's, that's not fun. Peanuts are the kind of thing you pick out of your teeth and you spit them out. Um, and so that's my gripe against crunchy peanut butter. Now the, I do actually, the only peanut butter I eat these days happens to be a jar of, of Adam's all natural crunchy peanut butter, but that's because my only peanut butter I consume right now is in a, uh, mixed blended in with a chocolate protein shake to give like a chocolate peanut butter kind of flavor. And when you're blending it up, it doesn't matter if it's creamy or chunky. Um, and, and that's the other thing. Chunky peanut butter doesn't even know if it wants to be called chunky or crunchy. You know, half the brands call it chunky, half call it crunchy. Like if you can't even decide what you are, how do you expect me to take you seriously? So uh, that's the bottom line. I, I can understand the appeal if you like that crunch. But I say, you know, I, I've just recently discovered slice up an apple real thin, throw that on your peanut butter sandwich. You get the crunch from the apple and you don't need it from from the peanuts. And then if something's stuck in your teeth, it's apple. That's sweet. Yeah, I won't. I mean, that's not a bad take just based on your premise of your take. Um, it's, you know, I disagree with the premise of your take. I don't disagree with what... You like peanuts stuck in your teeth? I don't mind peanuts stuck in my teeth. I like peanuts. I eat peanuts by themselves all the time. So yeah, that's ridiculous to me. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that, you know, if, I, if I'm eating peanut butter, it's cut probably because I like peanuts. So that's why I like it. And that's why I get super chunk, get all them chunks in there, especially, you know, I don't, I don't... For me, for me, just uh, not not that long ago, just a few a few years ago, I was eating peanut butter and jellies for lunch a lot of times uh, when I was living in the Bay because it's expensive over there. But yeah, for me, it's just no contest. Creamy peanut butter doesn't give me any type of satisfaction or joy. Doesn't feel like I'm eating peanut butter, and I I don't feel that need. And maybe it's because I like peanuts, and you don't cling to like peanuts. So that's probably the biggest difference of opinion right there. Yeah, it could be. I I love the flavor of peanut butter, um, and so I like the flavor of peanuts because that's what you know, peanut butter is made out of, I don't know if you know that, but, but yeah, I don't like peanuts because they end up stuck in my teeth. And so I love me a Reese's peanut butter cup. I love me a peanut butter jelly sandwich. I love, you know, peanut, peanut butter in ice cream, but peanuts and ice cream, uh -uh. me peanuts is the base premise. And that's why I like peanut butter. And then it's very easy to just rinse your mouth real quick after you eat it. If you don't want stuff stuck in your teeth. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but either way, uh, settled that debate. We don't very we don't get a grizzly very often, so that was a fun little treat without getting stuck in your teeth. Uh, but Jeff, you got anything else before we head out for the weekend? One last thing, I tweeted on Thursday. Uh, it was the anniversary, the four year anniversary of uh, a picture I took of Justin Turner with my son at spring training. Uh, JT came out and was signing autograph autographs for kids for about a half hour, and at one point, some grown men were like pushing and shoving. And JT actually stopped and kind of yelled at the guys, said, hey, guys, I'm going to sign for everybody, but, but I'm going to do the kids first, so back off. And uh, that's kind of cemented JT's status as one of my favorites. And so I tweeted about that, and a guy who is a Giants fan responded uh, and said, yes, and about four months or so ago, he, Justin Turner tested positive for COVID and then walked out onto the field to hug his teammates and coaches because he thought he deserved it. Global pandemic be damned. And uh, my response to him, I just said, source? Uh, and I let him tweet at me several times as if I didn't actually know what he was talking about. And because that's my punishment, because my wife told me I am no longer allowed to wish death on people. And so instead, when somebody deserves to have death wished upon them, instead what I do is pretend not to know what they're talking about and make them 
type some extra words into Twitter. Uh, but I just want to encourage all of you, don't be the worst person in the world like this guy. You know what? Justin Turner is a great person who does a lot of wonderful things for the community and for the world. And even if you do think he was absolutely wrong and it's unjustifiable to do what he did in October, uh, let's try not to judge people by their worst mistake and instead try to judge people on the entirety of their character or try this, don't judge people at all. Uh, unless it's a Giants fan who wants to bring up Justin Turner's one mistake instead of and overlooking his uh, vast, vast, numerous contributions to the world. And I guarantee you, Mr. Greebs at G-R-E-E-B-S on Twitter, Justin Turner has done more for the world than you have or ever will, so bite me. That's all I have, Vince. Uh, yeah, that guy seems more concerned than any Dodger players or teammates were concerned about Justin Turner coming back out, so... Yeah, people say, Dave, Dave Roberts is a cancer survivor, and Justin Turner, you know, he put him at risk. I'm like, Dave Roberts chose to sit next to him in this yeah, team and picture. Hunting. You know, Dave Roberts is a grown man. Let him make his decisions. Yeah, Justin Turner, there's a good article about Justin Turner if you want to look it up. I forget. I think it's what Rosenthal was athletic. Uh, apparently, he plays Settlers of Catan, which I've never played. I don't know if you've ever played, Jeff, but no. Apparently that that was a, a it was an interesting article of how he almost got cut because people didn't think he cared enough, uh, which is you know crazy to think about now the, with T- Justin Turner yep. window. Uh, uh, but yeah, that'll do it for this. That'll do it for this episode. That'll do it for this week. We'll be back on Monday, or Jeff will probably be back on Monday, ca- recapping the weekend. Kershaw's making his first start. Bauer's gonna face the Padres, so there'll be a lot to talk about when he comes back on Monday. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. Make sure to tell your friends and family, tell Dodger fans in your life, tell coworkers, whoever you have in your life that's a Dodger fan, let them know about this podcast. You can follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text, you can do so at 323-863-5625 or send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device to play podcasts, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you on Monday. D. I say D-O. D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard. Oh, hard and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye!